Amen, amen. Hey, welcome everybody to the Salt Company Fall Kickoff. You guys can do better than that. Welcome to the Salt Company Fall Kickoff. All right, there we go, there we go. Hey, if I haven't introduced myself to you, my name is John Randall. I serve on staff here as one of the directors for Salt Company. If you didn't know, Salt Company is actually a college group that is part of City Light Church. And you need to know that we are glad that you are here. There is a lot of effort, time, money, sweat. Some dude threw up this week. There was a lot of stuff that went into this week to make tonight possible. And so we are glad that you are here to share tonight with us. Here's what I know. Many of you guys are coming from different places. Some of you guys came here because you got a flyer about our fall kickoff at one of our events, and it said free food, and that was enough uh, to get you. Some of you are still waiting on that free food. I promise the burgers are coming. Uh, others of you, you got dragged by your roommate here. You're like, I don't know what this is. People sing a bunch of songs to Jesus in a parking lot in the middle of Midtown. What is this? If it gets weird, I might pull out my phone. I might be on TikTok looking at the milk crate challenges. I get it. I might look at them with you too. No, no, uh, no lie there. Um, Hey, I get it. All of us are coming from different places. Some of you guys go to the College of St. Mary. Yeah, a few of you. All right. Uh, some of you guys go to Bellevue University. Yeah, that guy at the back. Awesome. Some of you guys go to Metro. A few Metro students. All right. Some of you guys go to Iowa Western. Okay. Uh, maybe no one goes to Iowa Western here tonight. Uh, some of you guys go to Clarkson. A few Clarkson peeps. Some of you guys go to Creighton University. And some of you guys go to UNO. Some of you guys aren't even in college. You just wanted that paycheck, so you jumped into the workforce right away. All right, there's a few of you guys out here. I love it. All right. If I missed anyone, I apologize. Uh, either you're at the wrong event or somehow, somehow you saw free food and showed up here. Either way, we're glad that you're here. Hey, in a little while, uh, one of my good friends, Mariah Anderson, is going to come up on stage. She's also one of the directors on staff. She's going to uh, share more about what we do as Salt Company and how you can get involved. But I just want to take a few moments here and explain what Salt Company is all about. Let me tell it to you straight and as simply as I possibly can. Salt Company exists because of Jesus Christ. We are all about Jesus Christ. Everything we say, everything we do, everything we are striving to be is all centered around who Jesus is. In fact, I'd argue that the greatest question you guys can ask and answer in your lifetime is who is Jesus? It's the greatest question you can ask. Jesus is the most talked about, the most debated, the most investigated, the most discussed person on the, in the history of the world. It's a valid question to ask, who is Jesus? I mean, think about it this way. How does a Jewish carpenter who lived in the middle of nowhere Palestine, right, lived in relative obscurity until his 30s. He never wrote a book. He never invented anything. He never like had an army that conquered the world. In fact, Jesus died a criminal's death for the crime of insurrection. And that guy is the most talked about human in the history of the world. You have to ask, how did that happen? Who is this Jesus? See, every year the History Channel comes out with a new documentary and they, they're going to promise to finally answer that question. Who is Jesus? Was he a prophet? Was he a revolutionary? 
Was he a miracle worker? Was he just a misunderstood teacher? Is he just a bearded hippie who's trying to make coffee tables and, and peddle essential oils? I don't know. You can make Jesus whoever you want him to be. That's what the History Channel is going to tell you. But tonight I want to actually look at the Bible to help us answer the question, who is Jesus? Now, I realize in a group like this, some of you guys might be skeptical of the Bible. Some of you guys might have questions on the Bible. You might think, how can we trust what the Bible has to say about Jesus? Let me just say, I can identify with you. I, I, I've been there. I've had questions. I've had doubts about the scriptures and whether they are true. But here's my invitation to you. Don't let this be the only night you come to Salt Company. Keep coming back. In fact, come with your questions. Come with your doubts. Read the Bible with us. This is a safe place to ask questions, to, to, to bring your doubts, to, to, to bring your insecurities. This is a safe place for that. Now, I don't have time to answer all the questions. The sun's already going down. We're going to run out of time. But here's, if this is you here tonight, find one of us with one of these shirts. Chances are we're a leader. There's staff over there. We would love to read the Bible with you and talk with you. Find us before you leave, and we'd love to, uh, to meet up with you and answer some of your questions. Okay, so to help us answer the question, who is Jesus, I want to specifically look at Mark chapter 1. This is actually the very first thing that Jesus says when he begins his public teaching. So all of you guys began classes this week. Your first class, you would have gotten a syllabus, or maybe they emailed it to you, right? And on that syllabus is saying, hey, this is everything you need to know about the course. This is everything you need to know about the class. What we're going to read here in these two verses is Jesus' own syllabus. It's his way of saying, this is everything you need to know about who I am. Let me read this from Mark 1, 14 through 15. It says this. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So who is Jesus? Well, the answer to that question, in essence, is Jesus is good news. Notice the text says he comes proclaiming the gospel. Guys, the word gospel just simply means good news. This is extraordinary that this is what Jesus says first because it runs contrary to every other religion. It runs contrary to every other philosophy. It runs contrary to every other way of living. Every religion is going to tell you, hey, make the sacrifice. Give the money. Give your life to the preacher, right? Show up to church. Say the right words. Obey the rules. And if you do all that, God will love you. Almost every religion is going to teach that. Almost all the philosophies are going to say, hey, if you think real hard, if you apply yourself really hard and figure out the answers to life's most basic questions, then you will find your meaning and purpose in life. Almost all the ways of living can actually be kind of reduced to a Western, a Western way of living and an Eastern way of living. A Western way of living says, hey, we're going to champion the individual. We're going to tell you to go achieve your dreams. Be the best version of yourself. The Eastern way of living is going to champion the community or the family. They're going to tell you to find inner tranquility and, and find, be the best spiritual version of yourself. All of those things, they're not necessarily bad, but they have one thing in common that's different than the gospel. They're all telling you what you must do. It's all up to you to find your way in life. To answer life's most basic questions is up to you. It's up to you to gain 
God's love. But the gospel, it's fundamentally different because when Jesus shows up on the scene, he doesn't say, hey, I'm gonna show you how to live, do what I say. No, Jesus says, I've come to actually bring life itself. See, see, Jesus doesn't say, hey, if you get in line and obey the rules, then God will love you. No, Jesus says, I've come to actually show that God loves you already. That's why I'm here. Jesus doesn't come and say, hey, let me give you the answers to life's basic questions. Jesus comes and says, I am everything you've been looking for. This is the good news of the gospel. Whatever you've heard about Christianity, I'm here to set the record straight. The Bible teaches that Christianity is not primarily what you do. Christianity is primarily everything that Jesus has done. And I don't know about you, but this is good news. This is good news because I hear so often in our world messages like this, do more, be more, grow more, live more, improve more, get more. Do all of that and then you'll be satisfied. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I am enough. And when you hear that, your response is almost one of, oh, finally, finally somebody's going to come along and say, no, 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 I'm not asking you to do a bunch of stuff. I've come to do what you could never do for yourself. This is a message that runs contrary to anything you're going to hear out in our world. So let's dive in to this good news. Water break. It's hot out. All right, let's dive into this good news. What does Jesus say specifically? Jesus gives us a hint at what this good news or gospel is when he says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, the gospel is all about a kingdom. I could argue that every story, every movie, every book at its core has this plot line. There's a great king. There's a great hero. There's some sort of character who comes and he overthrows some great enemy and saves the day. Let me prove this to you. In the movie Endgame of Avengers, the Avengers rally together and Iron Man saves the universe by destroying Thanos, the great enemy. In High School Musical, Troy and Gabriella have to beat their rivals, Sharpay and Ryan, to save their spot in the High School Musical. Those are the enemies. In Lion King, Simba has to return to the Pride Land to overthrow Scar, the great enemy. In Hot Rod, Hot Rod Kimball is an unlikely hero who does terrible stunts so that he can save enough money to defeat who? His dad, his stepdad. That's the enemy, right? At the basic element of all these stories is somebody coming onto the scene and defeating a great enemy. Almost all movie companies know this. It's why it's found in every plot line. But here's the significant piece. What if I told you that this plot line isn't just a fairy tale? What if I told you that this wasn't just a movie? What if I told you that the reason you are hardwired to be drawn into a story like this is because all those stories point to a true story, and that story is about Jesus. See, when Jesus says that the kingdom is at hand, he means a king has come to overthrow our greatest enemies of Satan, sin, and death, and to rescue you and me from, this, uh, from all of the things that we've done to corrupt this world and he's taking everything that is broken and has gone wrong and he's undoing it. He's reversing the curse. He's reversing everything that has gone wrong and bringing it about to be new. And here's the fundamental truth that you need to know about the gospel is Jesus is the king. He's the hero. He's the character. He's the one that comes in and defeats our greatest enemies and saves the day. See, the Bible says that our greatest problem 
is that we've revolted against God as king. All of our problems stem from the fact that we've wanted to do our own thing, we've wanted to be king, and so we've built our own little kingdoms that we can control and rejected God as king. All that has gone wrong in this world stems from that fact. This means that for, for the times that, that I woke up in college wasted, for, for the times that when I was in college and, and I treated girls just as sex objects, or when I played the religious kid, and, and I was in church thinking, hey, I have this intellectual prowess, but I know theology. That means God loves me more. Or I was trying to find my identity and what other people thought of me. All of that, guys, stems from the fact that I want to be king and I don't want to let God be king. But here's the good news. The good news is that Jesus doesn't come to you and wage war against you. No, he goes to a cross and he consumes the war in his own body. And what that means is that when Satan, who's one of our greatest enemies, comes to you and says, hey, you're hopeless, you're worthless, you'll never change, you, you have no hope in the world, you can say if you've trusted in Christ, no, 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 no. Jesus, when he went to the cross, he paid the penalty of my sin. You have no accusation against me. And when one of our other enemies, sin comes along and he says, you're always going to struggle with this. You're always going to deal with this. You have no choice. You have no power over me. You can say, no, 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 no. When Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago, he defeated the very power of sin. You have no say over my life. I have a new master and it's not you. This master wants to lead me to freedom. You want to lead me to death. And when you are at your end and you are on your deathbed, and your final enemy, death, says, I want to take everything from you. You can say, no, no, no. In Jesus, I've gained everything. Because Jesus, on the cross, actually defeated death because he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead. And because he's done that, one day, he's coming back, and you and I will come up out of the ground. He will actually undo death for us, and the very presence of sin will be removed from us. There'll be no more sadness. There'll be no more tears. Everything that is wrong will come untrue, including death itself. Guys, that is the good news of the gospel. How do you respond to that? Jesus gives us two things. One, repent. Two, believe. Verse 15 says, repent and believe. In the gospel, repentance and belief, they're two sides of the same coin. They're connected to one another. They go together, okay? So it's helpful to think of it like as turning around. If repentance is turning from, away from sin, belief is turning towards Christ. You see how they go together? It's turning around. You turn away from your sin and you turn towards Christ. And here's the thing, you need both. Because if you only have one, it leads to a deficient Christianity, if all you have is repentance without believing, you might end up being shame-filled because you, you're turning away from your sin, but then you've got nothing to turn to. And so you keep turning back to your sin over and over and over again, and you end up in this cycle of sin where you're just kind of stuck confessing over and over and over again the same things, and you're just filled with shame and guilt and remorse, but you don't see the goodness that Jesus has offered you. You're not turning to him, so you're, you're just turning back to your sin. Or you could end up prideful. 
Because in your attempts to turn away from your sin, instead of turning towards Christ, you turn towards yourself. And you think, oh, I've got what it takes. I've got the strength. I've got the power. I've got the intellect. I can overcome my sins by myself. But here's what you've done. Instead of turning away from sins and turning towards Christ, you've turned away from sins and turned towards another sin. And that is the sin of self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is thinking that you are impressive because you have what it takes to overcome your own sin. I've got news for you. That is still sin. It's called self-righteousness. This changes the way you see Jesus if all, of, if all you have is repentance without believing. He literally just becomes a slave driver or a dictator who's constantly telling you how messed up you are. Or you see him as a head start where maybe he takes away your sin, but then it's kind of up to you to impress God with your good deeds. Like I said, you need both. You can make an error in the opposite direction. If all you have is belief and no repentance, then you might end up turning towards God without really turning away from your sin, and you're going to get torn into two pieces. You're going to live that double life. You believe Jesus saves you from your sins, maybe in, in, in an intellectual way, but you kind of love your sin, so you, can't, you just end up using Jesus only when life goes bad, right? Like when sin is feeling good, you don't really want anything to do with Jesus, but the minute sin goes bad, you're trying to go back to Jesus, and it's tearing you apart. You could also try to turn to Jesus thinking you don't really have any sin to turn away from. You don't think you've turned around anywhere. You've just been like born following Jesus in the right direction. Guys, this leads to an arrogant faith where you're running around trying to get everybody to believe what you do about Jesus and you're a jerk about it and you think that you are right. But here's what you fail to realize. What do you believe in? Christianity is about a guy named Jesus who came to you when you were a jerk, when you were in the wrong, and he loved you and died for those sins. So if you're running around telling people about a Jesus that made you a jerk and arrogant, then what Jesus do you believe in? Confess those sins, turn from them, and turn to Jesus. Belief without repentance changes the way you see Jesus too. He either just becomes a life coach that you tap into whenever you need help, or he simply becomes insurance to get you out of hell and into heaven. He doesn't really change your life on earth. Guys, I've lived life both ways. I'm a testament to what it is like if you don't have faith and repentance going together. And here's what I've noticed. If you, if you try to have one or the other, if you don't respond with both repentance and faith, you're going to end up cheapening the gospel. Because here's what I ended up believing. As, as a Christian, I tried to, to live with just belief and no repentance. And what I began to believe is that, oh, repentance is just for the bad people. I'm a good person because I believe in Jesus, and so I don't need to repent of my sins. And so the gospel just got reduced to this thing of, this gets you into the door of Christianity. It's for the bad people. But if you're a good person, then belief is just for you. No, 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 no. The only way to get into the door is to admit you need Jesus. That requires you to admit that you have a need, that you are a sinner, that you need Jesus to save you. Additionally, I tried to be a Christian with just repentance and no belief. But guys, this sucked the joy out of my faith. And I felt like giving up at times because all I was doing was looking at my sin and I'm trying to confess it over and over and over again. And I forgot to turn towards Christ and see that he loves me and has grace for me. Salt Company, I love you enough to tell you that you cannot be a Christian without repentance and faith. Jesus as a king is no value to you if you can't admit that you need a king to rescue you and actually turn to that king for salvation. So, what do we do with this? 
How do we respond to this? I'm going to invite the band back up. As they come, let me speak to two different people that I know are here tonight. Some of you here, you would not actually consider yourself a Christian. You've never repented. You've never believed. Some of you here, you grew up going to church. Maybe maybe you have some family members that identify as Christian. You would consider yourself Christian, but it's been nothing more than just this family thing that's been handed down to you. You've never repented or believed. Or maybe perhaps some of you, you've repented but not believed. And others of you, you've believed but not repented. Maybe you prayed a prayer one time and you believed some facts about Jesus, but you've never actually seen your need for a Savior. Would tonight be the night that you actually see your sin for the first time and turn away from it and turn towards Christ, fully trusting him to save you? Some of you, you might think, I am the worst sinner sitting here tonight. If people knew what I have done, even this first week of school, I would not be welcomed here. And your posture is stuck looking at your sin and you're terrified to turn and actually look towards Jesus because you don't know the expression that's going to be on his face. Because Jesus is the one who comes and brings good news. If you turn to him, his expression is not going to be one of scowl or condemnation or regret. His face is going to be one of joy and happiness and tears in his eyes with arms wide open, welcoming you to come to him. Others of you, you are Christians. You've repented. You've believed. But let me say that repentance and faith, they're not one-time things. It's not just how you get into the Christian faith and then you progress to other, some other spiritual disciplines. No, 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 no. They're the tracks on which we run to grow as Christians. The same way you became a Christian is the same way you grow as one. You've come to Christ through faith and repentance. You grow as a Christian through faith and repentance. Would tonight be the night where you say once again that the same God who saved you when you first became a Christian, when you repented and believed, would tonight be another night where you say, I'm going to repent and I'm going to believe that the same God who saved me when I became a Christian is still good enough to save me even tonight. Salt Company. Jesus is all, good, all about good news. Who is he? He is good news. Would we respond to him? and repentance and faith. Would you pray with me? Father, we believe that tonight, each person here, not here by accident. Maybe they got a fire, maybe a friend invited them. God, you are at work. And for the person sitting here tonight saying, gosh, this Jesus, I think I want to give my life to him. I think I want to turn away from my sin. I think I, I want to turn towards him in faith for the first time. Oh God, I pray that they would not leave here without making that decision. I pray that they would not leave this community without asking questions, without bringing their, their concerns about the Bible, that, that they would enter into Salt Company because we are a community that's all about Jesus. God, would you do a work here tonight? It's in your son's name. Amen.